In sickness and in health, part of one of the most used covenants made here on earth. But where did it originate? We repeat and hold dear to something of unknown origin. Yet, when it comes to God and His covenant, we often ignore the calling and forget the promise. But God comes back every single generation to remind us that we are still precious to Him and no matter how far away we choose to be, in sickness, in sin, God stands before all of creation and promises to bring us all home if we choose to live justly. Offering information for your mind. Enabling transformation for your heart. A weekly dialogue exploring God's Word and its application for today's world. Sabbath School U. Hi, welcome to Sabbath School U. I am Kathy Britton. Before we start, why don't you guys have um, a little introduction. Say your name and the f your favorite thing to do right before you go to bed. Well, my name is David, uh, and I guess my favorite thing to do right before I go to bed is just kind of uh, uh, try my best to relax. I just have a moment. I sit down in a chair, and I just kind of empty my mind. Then I go to sleep. My name is Elena, and one of my favorite things to do before bed is to read. I'm boring. <laughs> <laughs> read anything in specific? I have a bunch of books mm -hmm. I like to read, yeah, anything. My name is Nye, and I guess uh, one of my favorite things to do before going to bed, like David, is just to kind of relax, maybe watch a TV show, and then right before bed, uh, just say a prayer. Hmm. I think... I'm Kathy, but I think my favorite thing to do before I go to bed is FaceTime my family because they all live so far away. Mm -hmm. So we always FaceTime right before bed and my mom says a prayer for me. Hmm. Yeah. I know. <laughs> now, would you start us off with um, the memory verse and maybe a prayer for us before we begin? Sure. Uh, the memory verse comes from Jeremiah thirty-one thirty-one, and it says, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. Uh, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we'd like to thank you for giving us another day of life and seeing another uh, morning. I'd like to thank you for letting us come together and study your lesson to help us learn more about your covenants as well as uh, your love and your mercy. I'd like to ask you to please be with us as we study and be with us throughout the coming week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So the title of this lesson is The Covenant, very straight up and to the point. And I think we've all come in contact or we've all heard the uh, term or the word covenant. Um, so I'm going to ask you to define what a covenant means, but you can't use any of the words I'm about to say. So we're going to play like taboo, but you can't use any of these words. <laughs> Contract, agreement, undertaking, indenture, which has nothing to do with dentures, by the way. I had to Google that. Commitment, bond or guarantee. So how would you define a covenant <laughs> without those we words? took all the synonyms away. <laughs> so. so I'm not asking for a synonym. I'm asking for how, how would you define that word? Well, I think one word you didn't say was a pact. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it's, it's basically, um, you know, I, I am going to use a word that you said not to say. It, it is basically an agreement. Uh, you can't. This... <laughs> it's a marriage. <laughs> or a marriage. Yeah. It is. It's a marriage. It's a, it can be a lifelong blank uh, <laughs> with, 
with someone that you have promised to keep for whatever certain amount of time until death do you part or whatnot? When you think of when you idea. think of a covenant, what's the first thing that comes to your like comes to your mind? Is it something personal? Is it something biblical? Uh, basically, just a kind of like a promise. It's kind of like a I know it's one of the words you can't say is commitment. Your two people or two or more people may be coming together and just agreeing on, uh, you know, or a principle on an idea or of something like, um, like the new covenant with uh, that uh, God created with um, that Jeremiah was told to deliver to the people of Israel, which we're going to discuss. <laughs> okay, so uh, we're going to go to our next question, which is uh, based on Exodus 24. What was the covenant that was made at Mount Sinai. And why is that so important to us? Well, I think the, the covenant that was made uh, was the introduction of the Ten Commandments to uh, the people of Israel. Um, it was it, the, the introduction of uh, a set, set list of statements that, that they should, that they should uh, do in order to, to follow God. And why was this so important at this time? Why did God choose this moment, this time, to hand over this covenant? Well, maybe because they were just coming out of Egypt, and there may not have been the structure coming out of Egypt as there should have been. I mean, when one of the times when uh, Moses went to receive the Ten Commandments, they decided, let's make a golden calf. So, <laughs> I mean, there really wasn't much guidance and much, maybe much cohesiveness there and by God saying, hey, here's the uh, Ten Commandments. It gives them something to follow. It gives them a sort of a structure, an idea of principles that they need to live by. Mm -hmm. So would you say that this covenant in, um, is a law, like this covenant comes in the form of a law yeah. or several laws? Yeah, it's like a law, a set of rules. It's the way I see the Ten Commandments is that it is what you do if you love God. So you've come into this agreement with God that I believe in you, I love you, and I want to live my life according to your will. And your will is these ten set of rules. And it's kind of like at home. Because I love and respect my parents, I will follow their rules. Because I love and respect God, I will follow his. It's just an act of love, I think. So going back to our definition of the covenant then, um, it changes, it can vary. So a, what you define as a covenant for you or you is not the same as for me. Because I feel like what the people needed at this time was a set of, not that we don't need those Ten Commandments, but a set of laws that would say, you can do this, you can't do this, this is, you know, like you're going to worship me, not worship these idols, because that's what was needed at that time. However, right now, for us, having these Ten Commandments already in place, maybe a covenant um, that God wants to make with me is not the same. If we look at baptism, is that a, is that a, a covenant that we're having with God? Mm -hmm. How so? Because you're making a promise. And a covenant is basically a promise. So you're saying, I'm living, leaving my old life behind and I'm washing it away so that I can follow you, God. And that in and it of itself is a covenant because it's, a, it's an agreement. 
You said that if I do this publicly and declare my love for you publicly, then you'll bless me. And if I continue to live like this, then you'll continue to bless me. I feel like covenant is such a powerful word and we forget that. Um, and having baptism be a covenant for us, like putting it in, in the terms of it being a covenant is, puts things into perspective. Like we're breaking that covenant on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. um, is that what's intended for that to happen? I don't think it's intended at all. It's just I think it's our human nature that we, mm -hmm. you know, tend to, to fall uh, every now and again. Uh, but we do, even though we have our moments when we fall down, we have our moments when we get back up and we're able to realize, you know, where in the covenant we have erred. Yeah, it's definitely... Um when we break the covenant, it's definitely not something we want to do. I mean, when you look at Jeremiah 31, uh, 31 through 34, uh, it actually says, Behold, the days come, say the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. And in 32, towards the end, it says, Which my covenant they break. So God does know that we do break it. But the amazing thing is, even though we break this covenant, he still keeps the covenant with us. Okay. And even though he's giving us, it sounds like he's giving away, you know, the old covenant and giving a new covenant, but it's really the same covenant. I mean, but still, you know, you trust in me, you put your faith in me, I'll take care of you. It just sounds like God, God is so amazing. And even after us sinning and going through covenant after covenant in which we are promising God certain things and we are straying away from it, he still came and going to, um, uh, question three and um, five, it says, looking at Christ, um, did his death on the cross abolish God's covenant? That's again, another form of God restarting the promise. Um, how, how does, how does his death symbolize a covenant to us? I don't think God is restarting the, the promise. I think he's continuing. So he's continuing to show that he is faithful because as you know, um, you both pointed out, humans keep like, or the three of you actually, we keep like regressing. We're like, we fall and then we get up and we fall and we get up, but God never falls. God never breaks any of his covenants. And all of his covenants are basically about his grace and his love and the fact that he's gonna give us salvation. So when Christ is on the cross, he is fulfilling one of a two-part promise and the first one is that he's come to like sacrifice himself to save us and the second part is that he will come again mm -hmm. um and it's just the continuation of look how i'm faithful to you please come to me i think does he still do that today without death on the cross mm. that's a good question well isn't it kind of like she was saying it's a um the initial death on the cross is a partial fulfillment of the covenant. It's not the full fulfillment of the covenant, but it's a partial fulfillment. He came as a sacrifice, as he said he would, and now because of that sacrifice, we all have that um, chance at everlasting life. So, how does, I mean, because the word, and I said this before, but the word covenant to me just sounds like something so sacred and so holy that we have washed down through generations. Mm. Um, it's, and knowing, hearing what Elena said that, you know, baptism is a covenant with God that you're making a public de decoration, declaration. Um, just 
kind of makes it seem so much more real on how when we stray away um, after being baptized, after making that covenant, when we stray away, um, that's us leaving God's side. That's us choosing to be away from him because his, his pact, his covenant with us is never changing. It's the same throughout all generations and it'll be the same for us today as it will tomorrow. Um, Galatians 3 talks about the covenant with Abraham and how does Paul connect the covenant with Abraham and then talk about salvation by faith? Well, I think what Paul does is um, he recognizes that Abraham was a very faithful man. Uh, he, he says that the law is basically not what is going to save us. It is faith in Jesus Christ that's going to save us. So I think that the, the main connection there is just the, the, the faith that we have in God, that we will follow the law of God because we are faithful, but we are faithful to God because what he has already done for us as well. So it's, it's, I think that's the main thing. Yes. I mean, I, I understand, but I don't understand. Like, I don't, how does he tie it back to salvation by faith? I'm not too sure what you mean by that. Like, Are you going to say something? Well, uh, um, I guess maybe one of the ways that he ties it back to um, salvation by faith is in Galatians 3. He is talking to the Galatians who, it sounds like they become a little bit legalistic. And he's saying that, no, it's not the law that saves you. It's your faith and your belief in Christ that saves you. And as, you know, tying into Abraham, Abraham was the, basically the father of, you know, would be the father of many generations of believers. And Christ comes through that line, that lineage, that it starts with Abraham. So he, you know, as we're all becoming heirs, or I'm sorry, becoming believers, we're all becoming heirs of Abraham. Christ coming through that lineage is the sacrifice that um, allows us to have that path to heaven. And even though we have a law, as David was saying, it's not the law that, uh, that saves you. It's Christ's sacrifice and your belief in that and your faith that, that, uh, that, that saves you because you're saved by faith, not by the law. So like in Galatians 3, 15 and 16, I think it clarifies it a little bit. He says, brethren, I speak after the manner of men, though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannuleth or addeth thereto. So he's like, yes, it's a man's covenant, but nobody can annul it. Nobody can add more to it or take away from it. And he continues not to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He said, he saith not into seeds as of many, but as of one, into thy seed, which is Christ. So he's like reminding um, the people, the, the Galatians, that there was a covenant made, a promise with Abraham. And yes, like this, this covenant doesn't actually save you because it's a promise of what will save you. So the covenant in itself, like just the fact that I've made this promise, doesn't mean that I'm saved. What's going to save me is the seed that came from that promise, which is Christ. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, let's talk a little bit more about that because then why do we have laws if we're saved by faith? 
Well, I think it breaks down a certain way. Jesus himself was asked, you know, what is the most important law that we should follow? And he said to love God. But he added on to that that uh, the law equally... To love God, which is a law. Right. But adding on to that, he says to love one another. If you look at the Ten Commandments, it breaks down in that way. That the first four are basically the relationship between us and God. And the other but six they're are, in they're in the form of a law, is what I'm trying to tell you. Right, they're in the form of the law, but it's basically if if you do not believe in God, if you don't want to follow anything that He says, then you wouldn't follow any laws at all. But you wouldn't be following Him. It's like saying it's like saying your father, your 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 biological father is telling you uh, to do something, but you choose not to do it. Yet you love him, and, and there's like a like a like a disrespectfulness basically that's created from there. So, you know where where exactly is the love there? Where exactly is the following there? If you're not listening to what your father is trying to tell you, that makes sense. So, okay, I'm a, can we clarify the question again? I'm just a little bit confused. I think with the discussion, we've lost what the original question was. Um. Well, I asked another question aside from the original okay. question. And my question is, why do we have laws okay. if we are saved by faith? All right. So I think that, well, one, I don't think it's law to love God. I think because you love God, then you'll follow his law. Like if you read the, the Ten Commandments, it doesn't say, it just says you shall love your God more than anything else. But it doesn't say you must love me now. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I think it's more like if you've chosen to love me, now follow this. It says, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images or likeness of anything that is in heaven above or is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down to, thy, to thyself, to, to them, nor serve them for the Lord thy God. And am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers. Da, 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 da. But throughout this whole thing, you don't see thou shalt love me. That's not one of the laws. You do this because you love him. I believe he did, he did say, you know, um, if you love me, keep my commandments. Exactly. It's because of the love that you have for him that you follow the commandments. It's such you follow the law. The law is there as, as something to live by, but your faith and your love of God is kind of, you know, what, what holds you to it, what, what gives you that, you know, that, that claim to that salvation. The law itself is kind of a byproduct of your love and your faith in Christ. And I think we need that law because we are creatures of structure. Um, and because if we don't have kind of rules to live by, even with rules, look at where we're, we've mm -hmm. ended up. <laughs> even with rules, look at where we've ended up. So imagine a world of lawlessness, of just because you have faith that I will save you, then that's it. Can you imagine, oh, I know that God's gonna save me, so let me go ahead and kill this person, and then tomorrow it'll be okay because I'll ask for forgiveness and God will save me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And yet, while that is true, let's say somebody does do that and they come to God and they're like, I'm so sorry, blah, 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 God will forgive them. But if we didn't have a law, I think it would be a lot easier for everyone to just stray away stray away and do evil do you right. think it 
Oh, go ahead. I was going to just add on one uh, little thought that with even with that forgiveness, we're still expected not to go back to our old ways. Like you're saying, mm -hmm. you may kill someone, you may be forgiven, but God doesn't expect you then to go back and kill again and right. then just come back and say, okay, well, please forgive me and everything's okay. There's an expectation that that when you ask for forgiveness, you are going to stop. That's why Jesus said a lot of times when he forgave people, go and sin no more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you ever think, and I'm just trying to, uh, tug at you guys for oh, a little yeah. bit, but do you ever think it can be the opposite? Um, the law come first and then your faith and your belief and your love for God? I'm going to give you an example. When we're little kids, yeah, we love our parents, but we don't. We haven't discovered mm. that love for our parents yet. However, if my mom told me, Kathy, do not touch that because it's going to X or Y, or even if she didn't tell me a because, she said, don't, I would follow that. Eventually, I learned that those laws or the things that she laid down for me were because she loved me. I mean, mm -hmm. many times I didn't want to do it, but do you think that religion or um, coming to the feet of Christ can be done in that way? Following the laws, do, do everything that God has instilled in, these, in this covenant that he made um, at Mount Sinai, or just following laws and then eventually fall in love with God? Is that something? Yes and no. Okay, why? I think it can happen because you've given a really good example of how parents, because they love the, their children, they give them these laws, these set of rules, and kids don't really understand why, you know, they have to follow them, but they do because they fear their parents. Um, but... I will say I'm, that... I'm going to interrupt you. I'm sorry. Yeah, go for it. Because they fear their parents. I fear think in a good way. A, okay, okay. Fear in a... Because it's like they fear them because they know that they're the lawgivers and can punish just as much as they can love them, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Just as we're supposed to fear God, but at the same time not be afraid of him. Okay. Okay. Um, anyways, so whenever... You know, you do that with kids, it sets a structure for them to grow into a responsible adult. But there are a lot of adults that follow the Ten Commandments per se, or nine out of the ten, and still don't believe in God. You know, they don't murder, they love their neighbors, they don't covet things, and yet they're like, no, but God doesn't exist. So I think it depends. It just maybe your upbringing, maybe your own heart, is your heart open to letting the law bring you to God or is just your heart open to, I just need to be a good person while I'm here and that's it. I think it depends on that. Yeah, that's, it's tricky because I know that recently I've uh, been talking a lot about the Sabbath and uh, keeping the Sabbath and how that is a straight up commandment. Mm -hmm. It's there, keep the Sabbath, make it holy. And we skip over that. And many people are like, oh, you know, I'm following these laws. And eventually by following these laws, I'm, I fell in love with Christ. But are you following the laws? Are you mm -hmm. actually putting it's something that has been watered down, I guess? Um, the Sabbath when I was five is not, well, I wasn't Adventist when I was five, but the Sabbath when I first became Adventist and the Sabbath now is totally different. And why is that? It's still a, a commandment. Um, we can talk a little bit about here about um, faith. I mean, salvation by uh, works. 
too. Because if you do keep these commandments, if you do, oh, you know, I help this guy and this guy and this guy, can you, I mean, I got, it's not ideal, but can you fall in love with God and eventually have salvation after doing all these right things? I guess it may be the motivation behind why you're doing it. If you're doing it because, you may start doing it just because that's what you're told to do, and you may develop a love for it, but a lot of times what happens, what may happen with people is that you're given a law and, and, and they say, okay, well, this is the path to heaven. And they think, okay, if I do this one off, I do this one, I do this one, you go down the checklist, then that's going to save you, and it doesn't save you. Um, I think that at times, you know, when you're a new Christian and you're brought into it, you get the law, but the law, as I stated before, doesn't save you. But as you study and you get that relationship with Christ and you learn, you know, more about his life and what he's done for you when you develop that love for him, then you start the law kind of, the idea of it changes a little bit instead of it being just, you know, a checklist to get to heaven, it becomes, I love God and this is what I'm going to do because I love him. How, how, do you, how do you know the difference? How do you know when you're doing something because it's because there's a lady on the side of the street and she needs your help crossing the road um, and you're doing it out of, like how do you know you're doing it because you want a little tally mark on your crown or you're doing it because you love God? It's a decision you make. You know, I think people, a lot of people understand that love is a decision. Everything that we do is a choice. And God has given us cognitive understandings and workings to help us make these choices on a daily, daily basis. And with the information that we have, we can decide what our motivation is for doing what we do. I think it's just a choice. I think it's also the, the acknowledgement of who... Uh, who Jesus was. I mean, when you look at the thief on the cross, he acknowledged who Christ was. And in that moment that he shared with Christ, Christ declared that he was going to be saved. So I think when it comes to that particular situation of, you know, uh, why we help somebody, it's more like, am I acknowledging that Jesus would, would, would handle this situation in the most optimal way or can I do this for a more selfish reason, which would be to mm -hmm. earn my salvation? I think that's what it would be. Tying this back to the covenant and um, the promise that God has given us, what promise can we make God other than, you know, like a big promise? Because I think that baptism is a, is a big promise, but continuing um, to make covenants with him, what's a what can we do on a daily basis to remind ourselves that, you know, we've made a promise to God and keep it? That's a good question. Hmm. I, I, I would think every, you know, every morning you wake up is another chance at life. It's another chance to, um, to make that covenant and reaffirm that covenant. I think Paul said, you know, you die daily in Christ. It's every day it's a decision. It's not a, okay, I wake up this day, I'm going to do it this day. Okay, maybe tomorrow I won't do it, but the day after that, you know, tomorrow's not promised. So, make it so every day, basis. it's a daily thing. You wake first thing in the morning, you wake up, you reaffirm that covenant with Christ. You say, you know, you ask God to keep um, you on the right path, and you do that out of love, not, you know, for a legalistic uh, Thank you. reason.
Thank you so much for participating today. I really enjoyed uh, our conversation. If you would like to contact us, please visit our website at www.sabbathschoolu.org. That's www.sabbathschool.org. Remember, the goal of the Bible study is information and transformation. It's for the head and for the heart. For Sabbath School U, I'm Kathy. Thank you.